This morning, as part of Mother's Day, we have the opportunity to dedicate some of our children uh, and dedicate some of these parents to leading them and guiding them in the way the Lord would want them to. Psalm 127 says that children are a gift from the Lord. And Proverbs 22 says it's the responsibility of a parent to train up the child in the way that he should go. And there's a promise in that, that when that child is older, he will not depart from that training. Ephesians 6 talks about the idea of a parent raising their child in the, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The negative discipline and correction and the positive instruction and guidance in the Lord. The counsel and the correction of the Lord. And this morning, Pastor Chad and his wife Erica are here to dedicate their son Phoenix. Phoenix Michael Reiser. And they're coming up. Ellen Zion, older brother and sister, want to come up? He was talking back there. Yeah. Here, should I come center here? Yep, why don't you? Chad and Erica are here today to dedicate themselves to raising Phoenix in a way that he would grow to love God with all his heart with all his mind, with all his strength. Look at those burly arms. <laughs> and so, at this point, I'd like to hold him, if that's okay. Yeah, will, he, will he come to me? Let's see. All right. Hey, Phoenix. He's squirmy. Hi. Nice tie. Can you say hi to everyone? Taking for a walk. Taking for a walk. Yes, see what happens. Chad and Erica, do you commit to raising Phoenix in the way he should go, and to train him and instruct him in the way of the Lord? Excellent. Now, as a part of this, you have a part to play as a part of Phoenix's church. And that is helping Chad and Erica and Ella and Zion raise this boy in the way of the Lord. So do you, church body, commit to helping the Riser family raise, instruct, and discipline their son in the way of the Lord. Excellent. Chad and Erica have chosen a life verse for Phoenix. And it comes from John chapter 11 verse 40. You want to, you, I should probably have two hands for the Bible. And it comes at the end of the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And Mary and Martha, his sisters, are there. And Jesus is speaking to the sisters and says this, just a profound statement in John chapter 11, verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Our prayer, their prayer for Phoenix is that he would grow up to believe and therefore show and experience the glory of God in his life. Will you join me in prayer for Phoenix as we dedicate him to the Lord? Father God, we thank you for Phoenix. We thank you for Chad and Erica as parents. We pray that you would give them wisdom and encouragement and guidance as they 
discipline and instruct Phoenix in the way that he should go. We lift up Ella and Zion to you as they are a big brother and big sister to Phoenix that they would understand patience with a little one and that they would help be a good example to Phoenix. God, we dedicate him to you and we ask that he would believe in you and therefore experience the glory of God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, right here. Here you go, Chad. Oh, by the way, this is Carolyn Brookman. I should have introduced her. I apologize. She's our children's director. Now I get to switch gears, so I'd like to welcome up Amber and Katie and Joshua Nunguster. See how we're doing this? It's the flipperoo. See that? Come on up, family. This strong young man by the name of Joshua Oliver Nunguster is being dedicated to the Lord this morning. He was born uh, April 1st, 2010. I have to, I have to start from the, back, from the back here, but, but Joshua is a Hebrew name, as most of you know. It means God rescues. And uh, John and Amber have chosen a, uh, a command from Scripture as his life first. So no pressure with this one, Joshua. But this is for your namesake from the Scripture. This is Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command. This is the Lord speaking directly to some dude named Joshua, so you know it's for you. It says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua had to be strong and courageous. From the minute he was born, he weighed two pounds and three ounces. When he was born, he was how many weeks premature? Fifteen. Fifteen weeks premature. God put his hand on this young man and has been raising him up to health, and he's become a joy to his parents. Josh, can I hold you for a second? Can I pray over you and hold you? No. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. No, it's good. It's for the best. You come stand next to me. (laughs) John and Amber, is it your intent to raise this boy that he might know the Lord God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength? Church body, we need your help. Will you covenant with this family to raise this child alongside him to help create space that doesn't hinder him? Will you do that? Amen. Lord Jesus, we give Joshua over to you. We know that his life has already been in your care. We thank you, Lord, for bringing him to health. And here, two years later, a strong, vocal, healthy, curious, impetuous young man. Praise you, Jesus, for bringing his life into our church family. We thank you for his parents and how they love you and how they raise their children. Lord, we thank you for Katie And how much she loves him and shepherds him. I pray that she would be um, a good big sister to him. That she could help him know you. I pray, Lord, indeed, that he would choose you and that you would choose him. And that we as a church body could look at his life like so many who have gone before him and say thanks and praise be to God for his salvation. For the sanctity of his heart and his soul. For his cleansing by Christ's blood, Lord. We pray that in advance in great anticipation. Hoping and praying, Lord, that you will entrust this young man to our care for that time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. All right, come sit down. Thank you. I was going to get the mic back. You no, already have, I have a mic. You have a mic. It's wired to you. We have one more dedication this morning. 
And uh, I'd like to invite Soren and Heather Lewis and their son, Nolan James Lewis. Come on up. Easy. Watch that. Nolan James Lewis. Soren and Heather um, have a desire this morning to dedicate Nolan to the Lord. Two and a half months old, two and a half, correct? Two and a half months old. And uh, just an awesome, awesome little guy. Got to spend some time with him hanging out, playing games last night. He is just a hoot. And uh, (laughs) very, very relaxed. And we're just going to pray that he keeps on sleeping the way he has been because he's been sleeping well. But do you, Heather and Soren, do you dedicate yourselves to training up and instructing Nolan James Lewis in the way of the Lord? Yes. Yes. And will you church covenant with them and help them raise his child in the way that the Lord would have them raise it? (laughs) They have chosen a life verse, and it's found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. It says this. And this is speaking directly to you. (laughs) Let your roots grow down into Christ and draw up nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught. Let your life overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. Pastor Chad, will you pray a blessing? Can I? Oh, okay. Lord Jesus, um, I lift up this baby boy to you, and I thank you, Lord, that here at Two Months of AIDS, he is being held up before you in the presence of your people. Um, God, this is, this is strange, but I think we as a church are standing in here by proxy saying, yes, we will, for really billions of Christians the world over, who I know that were they given the opportunity would say, yes, we would. We would raise up as the church worldwide our own. So, God, we stand in place of people all around this country who, given the opportunity, would be here saying, yes, we would. Lord, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We entrust this child to not only this church, but the church globally, Lord, may it be good to him all of his days. May us as a body of Christ lift him up and raise him up, bind his wounds and strengthen him when he needs help, encourage and support him when he is praiseworthy. Instruct him when he needs another hand other than his mother and father. Hmm. Lord, I pray this for this young family, that they would be embraced and raised up by the church, um, that they would be loved, and that they would in turn be able to love this child into his adolescence and into his adulthood. And Lord, ultimately, that he would know you and serve you this morning. In Christ's name we pray over this child. Amen. 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 should mention that Carolyn is giving to each family a baby Bible. It's in very it's tiny huge print. Letters. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Huge. <laughs> and also a certificate of their dedication this morning. And so uh, thank you, Carolyn, for doing that. I appreciate it. Well, once again, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers and grandmothers in the room. And uh, this morning is a special Sunday. And uh, when it was decided that I was going to be teaching on this Sunday, I go, I got a little nervous because Mother's Day is, is one of those days, you know? It's one of those days as a preacher, you got you to gotta bring your A game. And, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, other days it really, you know, kind of passes by. But Mother's Day is a very, no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. But Mother's Day is a special day. And uh, 
I, I decided I was going to start studying up, you know, learning from previous pastors and uh, trying to learn uh, from, from former pastors here. I've heard a lot about Pastor Dave Gudgel and Pastor Tom Brewer and Mike San Martino. And I'm going, how do I learn from these guys? These guys are no longer here at this church, but how do I learn from them? Because I've heard so much about them and, and, uh, and want to learn. And so I asked uh, Dave Ireland, our brother here, uh, who runs a CD ministry, um, to grab me some copies of, of past cassette tapes. They're not on CD, but cassette tapes um, to allow me to listen to some of their messages and learn from them. And, uh, and so he, he didn't just grab a couple. He grabbed a whole stack of all their sermons and, and brought them to me and laid them out. And uh, I thought, oh, this, is, this would be easy. And we've got to be able to have a tape player around the church somewhere. And so um, trying to find a tape player is very difficult around here. Uh, we found a lot of uh, iPod players and, and all of that, and CD players, but, but not a lot of tape players. But I found one, and I began listening to these guys and learning from them and listening to their messages. And, and one of the messages that hit me was, was uh, one by uh, Pastor Gudgel um, in 1997. And, uh, and it was just one of those things that, that I, I loved his style, loved how he, he led through the passage um, and so I've taken the, the same passage that he did in 1997 and uh, have, have put my own spin on it and then studied it on my own um, because I do know that Mother's Day um, can be a, a day not only for um, a joy and excitement for having kids and, uh, and the one day that moms get off, I guess, but uh, I don't know why it's not every day, but, but uh, it, is, it is the one day where um, they, are, they are served um, and honored, but it's also a day for, for many of us in here, a day of, of pain. For many of us, we didn't grow up with a mom that we wanted to honor, that we wanted to cherish, that we wanted to love, and that we wanted to care for, because for many of us in here, we grew up with mothers that didn't reflect those qualities. And so Mother's Day can be a very difficult day for us as we approach and as we, we participate in the service this morning, and we think about our own moms, and we think about what it means to honor your father and your mother. In Scripture, it talks about that a lot. In Ephesians 6, in the Ten Commandments, and oftentimes, Mother's Day becomes that pain when we go, God, I don't know how to honor my mom. It's a difficult a difficult day until we get to the point where we realize that in the way we should honor our moms, we can honor our Father God and release that to Him. One of the passages that I want to look at this morning as we talk about Mother's Day, as we look at what it means to be a mom, I want to look at three phases of motherhood that are found in Scripture. And one of the passages that, that Pastor Dave Gudgel looked at was 1 Samuel chapter 1. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, I want to look at the three phases of motherhood in the life and motherhood of Hannah. First Samuel chapter 1.
Verses 1 describes her husband. Her husband was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. Yeah, those are some ites there. In this way, verse 2, it says he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Now, this is not a biblical mandate to have two wives. This is a commentary on the times. That This was a commentary on the life that was taking place of having multiple wives. And Elkanah is one of those men that has two wives. One of them was Hannah, the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. I want to stop there because the first phase that we see is we see the phase of a woman who did not have children. She wasn't able, and the reason that Scripture says is that because the Lord had closed her womb. It was not because of any sin that she had committed or any wrongdoing. It wasn't because of her lack of faith, but the Lord had chosen to close her womb. One lesson that that we can learn here, one lesson that we see here in Scripture is her response to this. She takes rebuke after rebuke from Penina year after year. It continues to go on and talk about this. In verses 7 and following, it says, This went on, this provoking, year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? In the typical male fashion, he responds by asking questions of her. Why aren't you eating? Why are you so sad? Why are you so downhearted? Aren't I better than ten sons to you? I mean, look what you got here, honey. It's me. But this provoking and this pain inside of her of wanting to have this child became so great that the scriptures say that she began to not eat while she was there. She didn't eat or drink. And her response is so key here in what she does next. She heads to the temple to pray. At Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair in verse 9 by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much. She wept much. You see this pain, the agony that she's going through. She weeps much. And she prayed to the Lord 
And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. She makes a vow to God saying that if she is given a son, he will be turned over to the worship, to the service of God. And that he will also become a Nazarite, that he will become separate from everyone else and will never have his hair cut. That he will serve the Lord in this capacity. She wants to have a son so bad that she's saying, I'm willing to give him back to you, to your service. And while she's praying, Eli the priest sees her. Verse 12 says that and says, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. It's a commentary on the times that a priest would go up to a woman and tell her to stop being drunk. This wasn't, didn't seem like such a shock to Eli and you think, People did show up to worship God while being drunk. But she was so moved by her spirit, her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. She was crying out to God. And the priest comes over and says, stop drinking, get out of here. And her response is this in verse 15. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. The lesson that we learn is ultimately it's the Lord that will open the womb. And Hannah realizes this. Hannah realizes this, that it's only God that can give her children at this point and open her womb. Now we see this in our world today. Women that aren't able to have children. Couples that are not able to produce offspring. It's so much so that we see, we see God working in, in several different ways. One of the ways is through in vitro fertilization. We see God working because since 1978, over 5 million children have been born using in vitro fertilization. Now, the, the amazing part of that statistic is that I heard Pastor Gudgel in the message give that statistic in 1997, and his statistic was 55,000 children have been born using in vitro fertilization. And so I went, well, it's time for me to update the statistics, and I thought it was an amazing statistic my research came up that in 2006, there were over 3 million, and in the last six years, over 2 million more. And God is using this. God can use medicine. God can use this as a way. I've even learned about, you know, a part of the IVF program is, is having the, the, uh, the egg um, that's been fertilized, that's been cryogenically frozen, 
that there's now an agency that is allowing folks that have kept those extra ones to adopt those out, to give up their rights to those to be implanted into another woman as a possible viable child for them. Another option that we do see, and we see even in a family here at our church, is the idea of having children through actual adoption. One of our families here at our church is using that as a way of caring for those kids that their parents are unable to take care of them or don't want them and are giving them up. I hope you heard the message that it's only God that's going to be able to work in these ways. Only God that's going to be able to open the womb. And second of all, it's only God that ultimately will be able to comfort your soul. You see this in Eli's answer in verse 17. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. When you pour out your soul to the Lord and you give it to him, he can handle it. There's nothing too big that he can't handle. Scripture says over and over again to cast your cares upon the Lord for he is good. First Peter. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication present your requests before the Lord. Ultimately, it's only God that can comfort our soul as we go through hard times. The second phase that we see is the phase of her days with a child. Verse 21. Excuse me. Verse 19. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, what's the course of time? Nine months or yeah, a little bit longer. Hopefully not premature. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up with, his, with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice, so this is a year later now, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. In this phase of having a child... We see one, one major point here is the relationship between Elkanah and Hannah. You see, Hannah did not have the necessity to go up to the temple. It was the male of the household that needed to go up and worship before the Lord and give the annual sacrifice. The women were just a part of the family, and Elkanah had a relationship with his wives that he wanted to take them up with him and their children to go worship the Lord as a family. He also had the right to tell his wife what to do. 
And what you see her is in a way that's appropriate. She tells her husband, I have a newborn here. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to travel with a newborn. But it's definitely not by limo in this case. They're hoofing it. Riding on donkeys, whatever it was. But Hannah realizes and says, you know what, Elkanah? Not this year. I can't do it. Let me wait until the boy is weaned. And then I will take him and I'm going to present him to the Lord and give him over to the Lord for the rest of his life. In this relationship between Elkanah and Hannah, you see that relationship and you see him say, whatever you seem is best. Whatever you deem is right, do it. What a great respect and loving relationship you see here. And you see, the, the point is, when, when the boy, how long did it take for the boy to be weaned? It took no less than three years. And some theologians believe it was anywhere up to eight years back in this time. It's a little old, but <laughs> three years at least. So it took three years, and then... You see in this time, these, these young years, these formative years, Hannah saying, no, I'm not going to go up. I want to stay with my son. I want to spend, and the lesson we see here is to spend time with your kids, especially those young formative years, to take great effort to spend time with your kids. Now, we live in an area and we live in a culture today where moms are given Maternity leave, and at the end of that maternity leave, they go right back to work. And I'm not trying to condemn, and I'm not trying to provoke and make a stance on this. But I do know that studies show that the number one most formative relationship in a child's life between one and five years old is a relationship with the child's mother. It's so important. It has the most impact. And so it's important as moms that... You spend time with your kids. The number one most important relationship between 6 and 11 is the father. And 11 to 17 is the child's friends. <laughs> right? It's important that in these young formative years, we spend time with the children. That it becomes a quality time, not just sitting in front of the TV in the same room as them. One thing that I'm doing with my daughter is taking her out on dates. We go out on daddy-daughter dates. She gets to choose some, I get to choose some. And we just spend some time together talking, chatting about life, what she wants to be. It's been a veterinarian to an artist, to a dancer. It's moved all around. But spending time with her as she grows teaching her what it's like to date a man, give her someone to emulate and look for in a future husband. The third phase that we see in Hannah is the phase of her releasing her child. Verse 24, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. 
When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. She basically goes to him and says, Hey, you know that lady several years back that you thought was drunk, and you tried to kick me out? And I was praying, pouring out, and you blessed me. That was me. And God actually granted me what I asked for. And so I'm back now as a sign of that covenant, of that vow I made before the Lord. And I am turning my son over to you. I am releasing my child into your care. I can't imagine what Hannah was going through. As she released her son into the care of of a priest, and all the concerns and worries. Will he get homesick? Will he be able to tuck himself in at night? Will he get enough food? What if he needs me? But she understood the vow and commitment, and she hands her son over to Eli the priest. And at this point, she learns a valuable lesson and she begins to learn to love her son at a distance. And I want you to see the first thing that she does after she hands her child over to the Lord. She prays. In chapter 2, verse 1, Then Hannah prayed. Once again, at this moment in her life, she pours out her soul to the Lord. And chapter 2 begins with this prayer, with this pouring out, with this thanks and praise to the Lord. As she gives up her son and learns to love him at a distance. But the lesson that we learn is that when you are releasing a child, mothers, Parents, you never stop communicating with God and with your child. Verse 18 of chapter 2 says this, But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. He was looking so cute in his little priest outfit, his little linen ephod, and she decided to make him a little robe to keep him warm. And every year when she went up, she worshiped the Lord and she gave her son a gift. She was loving him at a distance and even when she released her son, she prayed for him. And that's something we need to learn as parents is that when we release our child and we learn to love them at a distance. Scripture talks about, and a son will leave mother and father and cleave to his wife, but that does not mean that the relationship ends. I know for me personally, when I left from here in Agora Hills and I went down to USC my freshman year, I never called home. I was excited to be away. I was living a different life by myself on my own. I'd go home to do my laundry, of course. 
if that, and to get food. My mom made the best food. And it was something I had to learn. You know the phrase, you never call, you never write, you never Skype. I didn't do that. And I had to learn through seeing tears in my mom's eyes of the need she had for a relationship with me. Now, before my 21st birthday, I got married. So I went straight from college to married life. And I have learned in the last 11, almost 11 years of marriage, how to continue to have a relationship with my parents. And to keep a constant contact with them while being a husband to my wife and a father to my children. But I know that my mom, she's praying for me. She's praying for my wife. She's praying for my kids. And we see this here in Hannah, that even though she was loving from a distance, she never stopped communicating with God and with her children. Three phases of Hannah's life without children, with children, in her formative years, the young years, and Hannah releasing her child. I think in the same way, we're all in that. For you parents that have released a child, don't stop praying for them. Don't stop reaching out even though it may not be a voicemail that's returned or an email that's returned. Keep praying, keep writing, keep calling. This morning, I hope that we see these three phases as possible three ways for us as maybe those of us that aren't parents, that are parents, that are empty nesters, to see and to experience God's power and his love. Because what you see in Samuel is you see that Samuel becomes a priest. He becomes Israel's greatest prophet. He becomes Israel's greatest judge. He has the honor of speaking to God and anointing Israel's first king and anointing Israel's greatest king in David. What a legacy that all began with this woman, Hannah, crying out to the Lord that led to her being a mom of Samuel. And what an amazing legacy she has left for us to read in the life of Samuel. Let me pray. God, thank you for moms. Thank you for Hannah and what you can teach us about her. Father, as we have entered into this worship service, 
as we participate in worship to you. For those in here right now that need to cry out to you and need to pour out their hearts to you, give them the courage to do that, to cast their cares upon you and leave them here knowing that you are good. For those parents that have young children, God, may it be an encouragement today for them to spend that special time with their kids. To spend that formative time teaching, guiding, directing, loving on them. And God, for those parents here who have released their children, help them this morning to learn to love at a distance, to never stop communicating with you and with their children. And give them the hope of the legacy that they leave behind in their kids. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Yes. chose the spot we dug the hole we laid the maples in the ground to have and hold as autumn falls to winter sleep we pray that somehow in the spring the roots grow deep spread their branches out and bless the dawn she took a plane to Africa she gathered up into her arms an orphan son and many years from now long after she this tree will spread his branches out and bless the dawn. So sit down and write that letter. Sign up and join the fight. Sink into all that matters. Step out into the light. Let go of all that's passing. Then let the least of these lean into something
rise for the benediction a couple things on your way out at the gazebo sign ups for the service day love for you to be a part of that and at the doors for every woman we have a just a little gift a carnation brighten your day to thank you for being here this morning so we just ask that every woman in here be blessed with a little thank you on the way out. Now as you leave, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go out and plant trees that will go on to bless others. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you.